Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Money is good. You like it. I like it. More is usually better, right? Well, on this episode of Parts Per Billion, we present you with a scenario where more money isn't necessarily better, at least not for rural communities that want to redevelop polluted real estate. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Parts Per Billion, the policy podcast from Bloomberg Environment. As always, I'm your host, David Schultz. So we've talked on the podcast before about some of the challenges of redeveloping contaminated real estate, and not every developer is willing to step in and purchase a property that might have previously been the dumping ground for Lord only knows what kind of toxic chemicals. The EPA gives out grants that act as a sort of carrot to help developers get over their fears, and recently it announced it would be increasing the size of these grants which is great news, right? Well, Sylvia Carradine says, no, not really. And she joins us in the studio now to explain why. Hello, Sylvia. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So first off, these grants are for what are known as brownfields. Uh, and we should sort of define what that is. It's a, I'm guessing it's not just a, a field of dying grass that's turned brown. It could be. Well, yeah. I guess it depends on why the grass is, is dying. That's right. So brownfields are sort of an interesting creature because uh, you can say that something is a brownfield just based on the perception of contamination there. Maybe it's not even contaminated, but people think it is. It can also be a property that was abandoned. It can be just something that's been vacant for a long time. But in general, it is underutilized real estate. So it has the potential for redevelopment. So it's just land that is for maybe an environmental reason or maybe a reason that's tangential to the environment, just not being used for what it could be. Right. I see. And give me an example of the kinds of pollution that can be found on these sites. You know, are we talking Ooh. like, you know, I think one of the things we talked about before was like a, a dry cleaner that uh, existed for a while and closed down, you know, leaves all kinds of weird dry cleaning chemicals on a site. Is that so? That's a brownfield. That's right. That could be a brownfield. That it could also be uh, a gas station that had closed down, and maybe there are some underground tanks that are leaking, whatever kinds of things. Maybe petroleum products. Maybe something else. Um, it could be a factory that closed down after you know all the workers got outsourced to foreign countries, and uh, who knows what is left behind? Maybe just the building. Maybe uh, there's something else. Are we talking like? radioactive chemicals are we talking chemicals where like if you 
come into contact with like one molecule, you'll drop dead. Like what, <laughs> what, what kind of, you know, what, what, give me an example. So brownfields are not usually as contaminated as uh, Superfund sites, which uh, the EPA says is the most contaminated sites in the country. Those are things like uh, the Gowanus Canal with its layer of black mayonnaise at the bottom. You know, can we have one podcast with you on where you don't talk about black mayonnaise? <laughs> Every time you come on, you bring up it's the a great, black mayonnaise in the Gowanus. It's a great mental picture. It is a mental picture. I don't know if I'd say it's great. but So, okay. So, I, I think I'm getting the idea that these, these are not insanely polluted, but they're too polluted to do something with. And the EPA wants to give out these grants to, you know, make sure that that they can be restored and and economically useful. Yeah, so developers um, would generally redevelop that land if they wanted to, but for some reason, um, you know, maybe there's the potential for contamination or something else that makes them hesitate, and that's why the federal government steps in to try to close that gap between what would be a reasonable investment and sort of what might be happening at that site. So the grants that the EPA is giving out are getting larger. They're saying, you know, we want to help redevelop larger sites, and that's a good thing, right? You would think it is. So the upper limit for cleanup grants EPA can award to individual brownfield sites um, went up from $200,000 to $500,000 as a result of some brownfields provisions included in the omnibus spending bill from this past spring. So you can now get up to half a million dollars for uh, to, to redevelop one of these sites. That's right. And there's now a new category um, of multi-purpose brownfields grants that are up to $1 million each. But yeah, why why is this bad? Why why are, you know, people saying this is going to hurt, you know, small rural communities? So EPA is using the same amount of money that it usually has for Brownfields grants, which means that if they are giving out larger grants, there's going to be fewer of them. If you are a community that's been applying for these grants every single year, like Milwaukee, and you're used to the process, you know what the EPA is looking for, um, you're more likely to be um, one of the forerunners to get that grant as opposed to a community that hasn't really been in the grant writing process before. They're not really familiar with applications, and maybe they just have, you know, a gas station to clean up. They're less likely to get one of those grants because there's so much competition for the bigger ones. I see. So it's essentially the slices of the pie are getting larger, but the actual size of the the whole pie is staying the same. Right, right. So it sounds like this is a situation where the rich are getting richer and the poor essentially are staying just as poor as they were. I mean, is that the ultimate effect that you have these big cities with that have more resources and, you know, maybe attorneys on staff who can help them write these grants and help them maybe also lobby the EPA uh, to get these grants are, you know, getting are more eligible for these larger grants, whereas, you know, a, a smaller community just doesn't have a chance? Yeah. So the rural communities out there that have fewer resources, uh, maybe less experience with these grants, are less likely to get them. But the EPA also funds um, these organizations that assist uh, communities like those for free. So they do have the option to reach out and ask for help. So there is there is some hope for them. Right. There is some hope. But it's not a guarantee that they're going to get those big grants um, as opposed to a city that maybe has an entire industrial district that's been abandoned and needs to be redeveloped. Let's take a step back and think about the optics of this. I hate that term optics, but let's just sort of throw it out there. This would seem like this is this new policy is something that helps urban areas and hurts rural areas. Um, that's not something that I'm used to hearing about from this EPA, from the Trump administration's EPA. 
what's going on here? Why why did they take this move that would seem to fall out of line with their sort of political MO? So I think these changes in the omnibus bill to how big the grants can be came from lobbyists who are familiar with this issue and are representing these communities who have paid for that help. Sure. Um, That's how things work here. Right. And also groups like the National League of Cities who um, are sort of wider reaching. And if you're not communicating with those groups or you don't have a lobbyist to represent you, you're less likely to get your interests heard in Congress. So that's why um, those changes are making their way into um, not only these bills, but also the EPA's programs. I see. So, So it's sort of this was slipped under the radar and maybe, you know, it's not a political thing. It's just a some very successful lobbyists for big cities were able to, you know, get something into the appropriations bill uh, without uh, people noticing. Um, I think it was public the whole time, but I think they're very happy about what they were able to get into um, into the bill. All right. Well, thank you, Sylvia, for uh, educating us about uh, Brownfield's redevelopment. That was Sylvia Kerrigan. For more of her reporting on solid waste and other topics like this, visit our website at news.bloombergenvironment.com. That's news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, as well as Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. Our editor is Marissa Horn, and our audio engineer is Nicholas Anzalata. The music for this episode is A Message by Jazar. It was used under a Creative Commons license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.